0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll look ahead to next week and get commentary from The Center Square publisher, Chris Krug, and regional editor, Brett Rowland, about the impacts of proposed taxes on a planned casino in Chicago, new mandates on public schools, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by
1: TheCenterSquare.com.
0: I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer's sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com.
0: This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. The most powerful woman in U.S. politics rallied Illinois Democrats in Springfield Wednesday, saying the land of Lincoln is a beacon for the rest of the country. Inside a packed hotel convention room where thousands of people attended the annual Illinois Democratic County Chairs Association brunch, U.S. Senator Dick Durbin said special guest U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is President Donald Trump's main
2: nemesis. And when Donald Trump and his lapdogs in Congress run for re-election, what are they going to run into? A wall called Nancy. Yes, Donald Trump has finally found his wall.
0: Illinois Democrats heralded passing a budget, statewide infrastructure plan that's paid for tax increases, and other policies on abortion rights, increasing the minimum wage, and recreational cannabis legalization. Pelosi said Illinois has been a leader in passing progressive policies.
1: A mainstream agenda can also be a progressive agenda. It has been proven in Illinois. Let's make that happen
3: for the rest of the country.
0: Illinois Republicans featured their guest speaker at the fair Thursday, U.S. House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, where he said liberal policies in Illinois highlight what he said is the foundation of the 2020 election, individual liberty or big government mandates. Wednesday, Illinois Democrats hosted Pelosi. Where Pelosi heralded progressive policies in Illinois passed as an example to America. Scalise spoke at the Illinois State Fair's Republican Day lunch Thursday. He said progressive policies in Illinois are an example of what not to do.
2: Where you're seeing such high tax rates, such overwhelming
0: government control and policies that take freedom away from people and frankly are running the middle class away. He said the GOP's fight in Illinois resembles the cornerstone of the 2020 election. It's going to be based upon individual freedom uh, and what it does to help empower people and get people the ability to live the American dream versus government control, not only where it's failed in other
2: countries, but where it's failed in very far-left liberal states uh, like Illinois.
0: Scalise walks with a cane now after being shot on a baseball field near Washington, D.C. by a man from Illinois back in 2017. After the two days of political rallies, state lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle are either basking in the glow of the legislative victories or looking to battle a proposed progressive income tax. Wednesday during Governor's Day at the Illinois State Fair, Democratic State Representative Monica Bristow was still riding the big legislative session the Democratic majority achieved. It was a it was a record record year in Springfield, and I was just talking to somebody else like, what else is there to accomplish? And I'm sure we'll come up with, things to make the state better but right now i'm just proud of what we got accomplished democratic state senator melinda bush said despite the victories there's a lot of issues lawmakers have to tackle
2: look there's a lot of work still to be done but i feel like we're getting illinois on the right track and i'm just excited to be part of it and we're just going to keep working
0: Republican State Representative Mike Murphy said Thursday at Republican Day on the fairgrounds that he wants to pass legislation to change the minimum wage increase that's set to start next year to consider rural versus urban regions.
2: We've been talking to some people in the ag industry, and it's a big issue for them. I talked to the superintendents uh, a couple weeks ago. It's a big issue for them for
1: downstate. So it, it's a big issue. I'm I, I, Not overly optimistic, but we need to readdress that.
0: State Representative Blaine Wilhauer said his focus won't be just on vetting legislation from the majority, but on defeating a proposed constitutional amendment Democrats put on the November 2020 ballot.
2: Giving Mike Madigan, J.B. Prisker, and the Democrat majorities the ability to arbitrarily raise taxes on anybody at any level is not a good idea.
0: Willhauer notes the importance of the high threshold the amendment must get from voters. A report released this week calls plans for a casino in Chicago not financially feasible. However, Governor J.B. Pritzker and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot both remain optimistic about getting a deal put together that can attract investors. Jim Moran has more.
1: Governor J.B. Pritzker and Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot remain optimistic about getting a deal put together that alleviates some of the tax burdens a new Chicago casino would face. The feasibility study blames the current tax and fee structure for making a Chicago casino unrealistic. Pritzker says he plans to work to get the job done. I look forward to working with the city of Chicago, with the city council, the mayor, of course, and very importantly, the general assembly uh, and the gaming board. The analysis says none of the prospective Chicago locations would be profitable enough to bring in investors or secure financing. Chicago Mayor Lightfoot says removing the tax
2: burden is important. But first and foremost, we got to get this tax structure right um, because otherwise we're talking about something that can't be done.
1: The Illinois Gaming Board now has 90 days to review the study. I'm Jim Moran.
0: Infrastructure experts are warning of potential problems with the sheer size of Illinois' $45 billion infrastructure plan. Cole Lauterbach has
2: more. The analysis of the plan released by Governor J.B. Pritzker's office shows three quarters of the money will be spent on roads, bridges, and mass transit and other, quote, horizontal spending. The rest is for improvements to schools, government buildings, and other projects local officials had sought. Manhattan Institute Senior Fellow Aaron Wren says the costs of these massive projects are nearly always more expensive than projected and could result in higher costs or cut corners. Realistically, it may well be that not all of the projects can be done for the amount of money. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Randall O'Toole says politicians are motivated to pick projects that result in more costs.
0: Politicians want projects that are big and glitzy and that they, you know, they can cut the ribbons at. And uh, a lot of times we just need to maintain the existing infrastructure.
2: O'Toole says spending borrowed money often results in rushed spending that could be done more prudently.
0: You build heavily immediately. Uh, you may build things that you don't need and people end up paying for it for 30 years.
2: Manhattan Institute senior fellow Aaron Wren reviewed the spending and is surprised that more money wasn't spent on public transportation, like trains for the Chicago area. You would think that public transit to be able to get the workers in there would be the thing you would be most focused on. Projects are funded with a combination of new taxes, expanded gambling, bonds, and other fees, most notably doubling the state gas tax to the third highest in America. I'm Cole Lauterbach. The state's medical cannabis program is now permanent,
0: and more conditions are eligible to be treated with marijuana. While celebrating that law, he signed Friday, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed another bill to allow children with eligible conditions to self-administer medication at school. HCI Alternatives Medical Cannabis Dispensary Operator Chris Stone said making the program permanent will help the business side of things, but expanding the program is huge for those wanting to find relief from chronic pain, migraines, autism, and other
1: conditions. To be able to allow them to be able to participate in the program so they can get off the medications that they're taking now and to be able to get on to, to cannabis and some type of cannabis regimen, uh, it makes all the difference in the world for a lot of these patients.
0: Maureen Surin's daughter, Ashley, had cancer at the age of two and seizures at three. After trying all kinds of different medicines with side effects, they found a doctor who said Ashley needs a low carb diet
2: and cannabis. And by gosh, they were right. And our daughter is now living and not surviving. She was lost and now she's found.
0: She said Ashley has been seizure free for more than a year and a half. Beginning next year, under the new law the governor signed earlier in the week, Ashley and other children with eligible conditions will be able to administer cannabis at school. Despite the state's medical cannabis program being made permanent and recreational adult use for cannabis being legalized January 1st, there's still some issues lawmakers have to work out. The adult use cannabis law that begins January 1 allows medical pot patients to grow up to five marijuana plants at home. Law enforcement and municipal groups want oversight. Democratic State Representative Bob Morgan said that raises privacy concerns. Republican State Representative Tim Butler opposed the adult use program because of the home grow provisions. You also know what happens when you have excess tomatoes in your backyard when you grow too many tomatoes. And, you know, it could be with five plants, you know, that could contribute to the gray market a little bit. I think that's a legitimate concern. National Organization to Reform Marijuana Law's Illinois State Director Dan Lynn said he sees home cultivation becoming less restrictive not more restrictive.
2: Ultimately, I think that freedom and liberty will win and adults in this country and Illinois as well will be able to grow this plant if they want to be able to grow it. Lawmakers
0: could act on some follow-up legislation this fall. A federal judge says Facebook users in Illinois can join a class action lawsuit against the social media giants potentially collecting thousands of dollars per account. Cole Lauterbach
2: has more. A federal appellate court ruled unanimously Thursday that Illinois-based users who want to sue Facebook for allegedly violating the law by collecting biometric data may do so as one large class action lawsuit. Lawyer Jay Edelson of Edelson PC says the law requires companies to ask before they use biometric data and say how they'll use it.
1: Facebook uh, just intentionally uh, refused to do either.
2: With anywhere from 5 to 10 million Facebook users in the state, Edelson says it's a huge problem should someone get a hold of your biometric data.
1: They can actually make a mask, which will trick um, which will trick a lot of uh, security systems.
2: Should the ruling allowing class action status hold, he says the scope of the suit will be massive.
1: Well, we're seeking um, as much as $40 billion.
2: State law could require Facebook to pay $5,000 to each user. I'm Cole Lauterbach. Some are heralding the enactment
0: of a measure bringing reforms to how sexual harassment is handled in the workplace and governmental ethics, but a main driver behind getting the law passed says it contains a poison pill. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed Senate Bill 75 last week. The measure requires employers to follow guidelines for preventing sexual harassment and gives employees certain rights in reporting allegations. Pritzker said the measures send a message to workplaces They need to protect those who make accusations, and they need to hold abusers and enablers accountable. House Speaker Michael Madigan praised the governor for signing the legislation, saying they need to be resolved in defeating harassment. Citizen Denise Rothheimer spearheaded another element of the measure that gives victims of sexual harassment and assaults at the hands of state lawmakers certain rights. But with the reforms, the new law also allows the accuser to be fined $5,000 if they divulge details about the complaints before it's approved by a panel of lawmakers.
1: We suffer that personally. It's an added victimization, a re-victimization that could potentially cause trauma and harm to that uh, specific individual, which is not going to be beneficial to their healing process or recovery.
0: Rothheimer urged the governor to veto that part of the bill, but her request was not granted. And President Donald Trump Thursday said imprisoned former Illinois Governor Rob Lagojevich was, quote, very harshly sentenced and, quote, what he did was terrible. But he's looking at commuting the former governor's sentence, quote, very strongly. Trump said he floated the commutation to hear from Republicans and Democrats. Trump took questions from reporters before heading to a political rally in New Hampshire. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and regional editor Brett Rowland. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
1: Hello, Illinois, and welcome back to Illinois in Focus, this is the Crosstalk segment, powered by the Center Square. It's Chris Krug, publisher of the of the uh, Center Square here in Illinois. I'm joined today with a special guest, Regional Editor Brett Rowland from our Chicago office. Brett, what's going on?
3: Uh, a lot going on this week, Chris. Uh, how are you?
1: Great. You know, it's a big seat to fill when a Dan McCaleb goes on vacation. We have to bring in a Brett Rowland. Yeah, are you ready for this uh, for this thrill ride?
3: I don't think anyone can replace Dan, but uh, I'll do my best to fill in while he's gone.
1: I, I I I agree with that, but I think you're a I think you're a suitable backup.
3: And uh, column this
1: week, um, uh, I thought it was very interesting about feasibility study on the casinos that are on target to come into Chicago in the next couple of years or part of a. Uh, capital spending plan, the $45 billion, like uh, Dr. Evil would say, billion uh, dollar capital plan. Uh, There's a report out that says that these casinos really can't coexist and that these revenue estimates might be off. Can you give us some insight into that and what you reported?
3: Basically, um, the report was pretty devastating. It it said that um, based on the tax structure that had been set up in the law that was passed, um, no one, they didn't think anyone would be able to come in and build a casino in Chicago and make money. They estimated that uh, any of the sites that were proposed would maybe make single digit profit margin one, 2%. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially what we have here is we, we, have, we have lawmakers and, and city officials who set taxes way too high um, and essentially made it uh, not feasible to, to, to do it all. I mean, it's kind of staggering if you think about it.
1: When are these revenues supposed to show up? I mean, one of the, one of the considerations here is that, you know, the, the approval of, you know, new things to tax, you know, new casinos to tax, new gasoline to tax, uh, you know, coming at the beginning of next year, you know, it'll be legal marijuana to tax, Uh, How much revenue is supposed to come, and when was that revenue supposed to come from uh, this influx of casinos? Obviously, it takes a while to build a casino, but how soon was this money supposed to start showing up?
3: Well, I think some of it would have been in the form of fees, and then there was uh, – it would have been somewhat staggered, but, uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been um, immediate, that's for sure.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So, we're, uh, we're going to keep an eye on this story. I mean, uh, you know, the, a study does not necessarily, you know, mean that, uh, that, that you know, it would be completely, you know, sort of on the money accurate, but uh, the level of skepticism that com- came out of this study, it, I would say is particularly concerning It suggests that maybe the homework wasn't done uh, and that these estimates are just not, you know, aligning with the real world.
3: Right, the the report, I mean, essentially concluded that no one would finance such a project, uh, given given the taxes and and the expected returns. Um, Which, uh, to me, you know, it's it's like the, you know, casinos have been able to be successful in in just about every state, Um, and and you know, the the mob successfully ran casinos for years, but um, somehow Chicago and the state lawmakers can't figure out how to make one work there.
1: Well, I think they need to go back to the drawing board, I think, you know, so maybe read some of those, uh, some of those books uh, from Rat Pack era, but um, all right, so let's move on. Let's talk about something, uh, something different. Let's talk about uh, schools, uh, you know, as part of a very large uh, dump, I would call it a dump of bills that came from governor J.B. Pritzker on Friday night was a piece of legislation that was signed that, is a basically it's an unfunded mandate for uh, education within within the schools and um, really kind of well two pieces in there. One that the schools are going to have to start teaching um, LGBT history as a part of curriculum, which is kind of interesting in public schools, and that there's also going to be requirements for new civic education. Now, I'm not clear on what the net impact would be from a taxpayer perspective on the LGBT history. That's more of a social issue. And whether or not you think that should be taught in schools, I'm not really going to get into that. I mean, I have my point of view on it is really, we have other things to focus on. However, this new civic education uh, mandate is kind of interesting because it sounds like it's it's forcing school districts who is going to force school districts to add staff what what do, we, what do we know about these two about these two elements and and where do we go from here
3: um the the general consensus that we got um from the Illinois Association of School Boards was that the so, sort of the history requirements and the, and that wouldn't be that um much of a cost or, or work burden for uh school districts but the the bigger issues were um the civics classes could re- could re- require new new teachers or new positions to be filled um although I mean you could argue that uh cost of having an un- uneducated um pu- public when it comes to social issues th- there could be a cost there too um but v- for in terms of the school districts they they see it as you know just another mandate from the state that says you have to teach this and we're not, we're not going to give you any necessarily going to give you any additional money to pay for this, but we need you to do this. Um, and then uh, I think even the issue that might have a, a, an even bigger impact would be the, um, teacher minimum salary increase that, that, uh, lawmakers passed uh, this session too.
1: Which is, which, which is $40,000 a year, correct? Is, is, yes. that, is that the number that's uh, so well, if you, if you're listening- over
3: a number of years?
1: Correct. Correct. And if so, yeah, just to be clear on that, that's, that's not that this doesn't start, you know, uh, with the first payroll of September. Um, you know, that, that, that that's a, a number that's, that's being worked to, but how, over how many years, that Brett R- refresh my
3: memory on that. Four or five, if I, if I, if I'm correct, um, looks like, but, like 23, 24 school year.
1: Okay. So, so it's, you're talking about this, this being something that's going to move in really about four fiscal years. Yes. Um, the issue is not so much $40,000 a year. I mean, people are listening to us on the Illinois radio network, you know, in, in, you know, Northern Illinois or in the Chicago suburbs, uh, or in a metropolitan area like Peoria or Quad Cities or Bloomington Normal or Champaign or Springfield, you might go, okay, well, $40,000. I mean, that's, you know, that's not a lot of money. The, you know, the, the average per capita income in the state of Illinois is roughly $53,000. And that's, of course, total household income. Uh, but $40,000, once you get south field um, and north of, say, Carbondale, uh, that's real money. I mean, you have the per capita income in those counties on a household basis is in some cases in some counties in the high 20s. Per household, so those school districts are going to be facing some really interesting challenges in the, in the in the years to come as they as teacher salaries scale.
3: Yeah, I think the the problem is definitely going to be more downstate. Um, I mean, in, in some districts in in northern Illinois, uh, you can see average teacher salaries uh, that are already above a hundred thousand. Um, so that's not going to be an issue in those parts of the the state, but um, in some other the some other districts, it could, it could mean more higher property taxes, essentially, because that's the only mechanism school districts have for um, bringing in more revenue.
1: Right. So um, stick, sticking with the uh, shifting gears, but staying under the the umbrella of education, because we are sort of at back to school time, most of the kids in the state are either have already started to make their way back to school or will be making their way back to school in the next couple of days. I know my kiddos start the middle of next week. Um, there's a part of, again, part of, of this recent passage of, of, of bills or signatures from the governor would be this new rule for FAFSA, that's F-A-F-S-A, and that's the Federal Financial Aid Request Form. Um, you now, as a graduate of, of, of uh, high school in Illinois, as of the 2021 school year, will have to have filed a FAFSA. Uh, why? I mean, not everybody in the state of Illinois is going to go to college. Not everybody in the state of Illinois who graduates from high school is going to even apply to a college or university.
3: Why are they making people sign FAFSA? Well, some studies have shown that uh, students who complete the form are more likely to attend um, college. And and there could be a variety of factors for that. The The goal, I guess, here is that, that they would increase the number of students who plan to get post-secondary uh, education mm-hmm. so so continue on in some form either community college trade school or uh, two or four year college um mm-hmm. after high school Th- that's the goal um but this again is one of those mandates that, that that didn't come with any funding from the state but schools will have to somehow get it done so there is a waiver process you can opt out Um, but you know, it's going to be a matter of administrators and teachers collecting those forms and getting those waivers and and all that. And then, and for those students who want to complete it, helping them to complete it. And, um, I haven't quite gotten there, uh, with my kids, my kids are still pretty young, but Chris, I believe you have done this before, right?
1: Yeah. We've gone through the FAFSA, the the FAFSA process and it is really, it's, it's not super easy. It's not uh, completely intuitive. It takes some time. I want to say that we filed the FAFSA for our oldest daughter, that that we had to file it again because a piece of information was was missing. It requires um, the applicant to also disclose uh, their their household income. And um, I have to be honest with you. I, I think it's one of those things. You know, you talk about a statistics like you know you're more likely you're more likely to go to college if you fill out a FAFSA. I think it's really I'd look at it like this. If you're going to go to college, you have to fill out a FAFSA. The people who do have an interest in going to college are almost mandated or almost required for the opportunity for financial aid to fill out a FAFSA. But if you have no interest in going to college, uh, but would like to get a high school degree, you're now being mandated to fill out a FAFSA. Uh, I'll take it a step further. College isn't for everybody. And there are plenty of opportunities out there that um, that are You know, really terrific opportunities that are outside of pursuing a you know a a college level or even you know an associate's junior college level degree, and uh, I don't disagree or I don't agree with this uh, at all. I think this is bureaucracy and inaction. I think that this is a a, again an unfunded mandate, and you know it's just it's just not, it's just not right. It's, it's, it's invasive and it doesn't, it doesn't add anything in my, in my, in my opinion.
3: The Illinois Community College Board said that they do see value in it um, and that, you know, it it could possibly get students either thinking about college or post any sort of post-secondary educational opportunities sooner um, i'm not sure if if that's the case uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um especially if the, if they can show some numbers that that would would demonstrate that why this is effective or especially why this would be cost effective um for schools like you know if they could show some correlation between having students do this and then getting more into some sort of Post-secondary education. I guess that's the number I'd really be looking to see to, in terms of how to evaluate this. But I, I definitely share your skepticism on that.
1: Well, Brett, I tell you what. I appreciate you stopping by and filling in for Dan McCaleb. It's uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun fun segment, and uh, you're welcome back anytime.
3: Thank you so much, Chris.
1: For Brett Rowland, regional editor at the Center Square, based here in Illinois. This has been Chris Krug. Now over to Greg Bishop with a look at the headlines that the Center Square Illinois will be working on next week.
0: Next week, we'll get the latest on the gun dealer licensing certification lawsuit filed by the Illinois State Rifle Association as the state has a looming deadline to file a response. Illinois State Police say they've filed rules, but there's still months of public review and hundreds of federally licensed dealers not filing for a state certification. We'll bring you the latest on that story and much more here with Center Square Illinois. This has been Illinois in Focus. Find more Illinois stories and commentary online. Visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.